for love will cover a multitude of sins. As we are servants of one another, uh, I hate to break the news to you folks, but I'm not perfect. I will do things. (laughs) I will do things even unintentionally that offend you. And sometimes we offend each, you know, and we need to do what? Exactly what God does for us. Forgive, forgive, forgive. Love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without grumbling. Oh, I have to welcome that person back into my house again. I have to bring a meal to them again. Yes, without grumbling. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to persist in service with this person. Is God persistent in his servant service to us? Uh, I don't even want to count. I don't think I can count that high. How many times has God forgiven me? And if I'm to be godly, maybe I need to be as persistent in forgiveness as my God is towards me. Okay, Mark, moving right along. Getting gone from preaching to meddling. As each one has received a gift, be hospitable to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, minister to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Maybe God gave you that gift so that you could share it. If anyone speaks, I just love the fact that uh, a brother in the Living Word Bible School uh, his wife just had a baby middle of last week and he had a sudden financial need and the body stepped forward and said, here, how can we, can, how can we help? And the body helped. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace, the manifold gifts of God. He's given you gifts, not so, should, so you should hoard them, but it's an opportunity for you to turn around and then hand it off to other people. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If you're speaking God's truth, make sure people understand that it's God's truth. If anyone ministers, serves someone else, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We had the testimony where this lady helped another lady just load her birdseed into the big bag of birdseed into her. What was that? It was an opportunity to serve somebody else and use your, an ability you had that they didn't have to help them. And it ended up being a conversation that brought glory to God. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God, as God's spokesman. If anyone ministers, let him do it with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong 
rightfully belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever. Amen. Who, was re- who really had dominion in the Roman Empire? It wasn't Nero. It was God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who had said, all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to me. It belongs to me. He is a Lord of my environment, unchallengeable. They will try, but they will only ultimately embarrass themselves. And by the way, that's what causes the gospel to spread, is that as God's people persist and are loyal in their hostile environment, they persist in explaining the gospel and explaining the gospel and bringing glory to God and glory to God. And they are pressured and they are persecuted and they don't lose their joy. That blows, that is, it's, it's persecution blowing up in the face of the persecutors. You're supposed to at least be unhappy when I treat you badly. <laughs> nah, you're not my Lord. Go away. I don't take my joy from you. I take it from my Lord. And he is always with me, present with me in all of who he is and all of his mercy, grace, power. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to whom belong the glory and the dominion forever and ever Amen. Peter is saying, what is our environment? It is Jesus. I live and walk in Jesus. In John 15, Jesus puts it this way, abide in me. Dwell in me. I am your residence. I am your environment. The reality of who I am is the reality of you, your environment. You can walk in me. Verse 12, beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you. Read through the Hebrew scriptures. Was ancient Israel not constantly being challenged by the nations that surrounded them? Were they not constantly being challenged by the really, frankly, pagan rebels in their own midst? It's shocking how much betrayal there was among Israelis by other Israelis. My wife and I were conversing yesterday about the book of Nehemiah and how the high priest himself betrayed what God was doing, betrayed the blessing that God set in place. And Nehemiah had been God's instrument in setting this all in place. It had been going along for several years in a row. And he finally went back after about 15 years of being there, goes back to Shushan, the Persian capital, and comes back a few years later and finds out that the high priest had betrayed everything. We live in a hostile environment. We not only need to be on the lookout on the outside, but also inside. 
Do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings. Time out, time out, wait a minute. Rejoice in suffering? Isn't that insanity? Not when you understand the ultimate outcome. We prayed about a woman who is going to go into surgery. They're going to cut the flesh from ear to ear, fold down her skin, halfway down her face so they can have access. That doesn't sound pleasant. Why is she placing herself under that regimen, under that procedure? Because there is a positive outcome that she has her eyes on. There's a positive, and so it is, and people actually, you know, people choose to go to the gym and lift weights and run on these machines, do all this stuff. Why do they inflict them that punishment on themselves? Because they have their eyes on a positive outcome. And so it is with the regimen of the Christian life. We are being walked through suffering by Christ with, he has his eyes on the positive outcome. Not only in the immediate sense to strengthen us in our, the consistency of our walk here, but to step us into a greater experience of kingdom glory. He wants us to experience as much kingdom glory forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever as possible That requires standing up, trusting him in the midst of present trial. Do not think it's strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened to you, but rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. I hope you had your tap dancing lessons because you're going to be doing a lot of tap dancing and we want it to look really cool, you know, because that's going to be happening. We are going to be welcomed into the glad presence of God and we will be experiencing exceeding, we will be experiencing exceeding joy, immeasurable joy. Who's up for excess of joy? I'm up for excess of joy. Yes. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. Yay. Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God. Oh, Lord, thank you for enabling me, trusting me to experience rejection of the same sort as you experienced because I stood with you because my kingdom glory will be enhanced. Blessed are you for the spirit of glory and expectation of coming kingdom glory and of God rest and God's own presence rests upon you. What is, what, how do you feel? How have you felt when you have had an encounter with someone where God just opened the door to explain the gospel to them 
and you knew it was an open door from the Lord, you stepped through that door, you walked with Jesus through that process, and when you walked away from it, I can tell you what you were doing. You were going, was that me? Uh, No, it was Jesus in you (laughs) doing it, but he's going to give you the credit. And you walk away. How cool was that? If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed. They they, they may not receive the gospel message. They may blaspheme Jesus. But on your part, he is glorified. Those men, when Jesus stood before Pilate, the accusers, the accused and accused and accused and accused, they blasphemed Jesus right before Pilate. And Jesus stood there with a quiet smile on his face. (laughs) And so much so that Pilate said, why aren't you defending yourself? He had had a lot of candidates for crucifixion stand before him in his career. None of them had stood there quietly, not answering the accusations. What's with you? Do you have no answers for them? Then came forth the accusation. He claims to be a king. Is that accusation true? Well, yes, they got that one right. And in fact, I am a king. I am their king. And I'm going to... (laughs) And Jesus and Pilate is just overwhelmed. This professional judge is overwhelmed by the way Jesus acted in front of him. So much so that he washed his hands of the blood of this just man. I will not take the guilt of this man's blood on me. And the Jewish leadership led the people in saying, let his blood be on us and on our children. And took Jesus to the cross to fulfill the word of God, where he would in fact become the deliverer of the very ones, if they would trust in him, the deliverer of the very ones who had engineered his crucifixion. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, a thief, an evildoer, or as a busybody in other people's matters. Don't let your suffering be justified. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in this matter. Now, this is a curious fact. You know how many times the word Christian appears in the Bible? Two times. (laughs) The other time is Acts chapter 11, verse 26. I won't turn to it, but it's about in in the, the ministry in Antioch. And it says this, Acts eleven twenty six, and this was where the Christian, where God's people were first called, were, were first called Christians, was in Antioch. They didn't call themselves Christians. 
They were called Christians in Antioch. Well, where do you think that came from? Well, these people here who have embraced the gospel of Jesus Christ, been embraced by God's love and mercy, they keep talking about this fellow Christ. And every time you get in conversations with them, it's Christ, and then more Christ, and then more Christ, and then more Christ, and then more Christ. You, you're Christian knuckleheads. You're Christian. And so they, it was the Antioch pagans that actually came up with the term Christian as a term of mockery because that's all these people wanted to talk about was Christ, 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 Christ all the time. And they got called Christians first in Antioch. And that's how Paul is, how Peter is using it here. If anyone suffers as a Christian which was a derogatory expression from the pagans to God's people. If anyone suffers as a Christian, let him glorify, let him not be ashamed. It's meant to shame you. No, don't be ashamed. Glorify God in this matter. For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? One of the principles you find in God's word, reading through the history of the Old Testament, plus what Peter is saying here, when God cleanses the world, he starts with his own house first. <laughs> he deals with his own house first. And then he goes on and deals with the neighboring, surrounding neighborhood. The time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, where Jesus will step in and set things right among all those who profess to be his people, he will set things right, set things in order, and then he will step on to those who have no allegiance to him. It begins with us first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? And the gospel is a command to be believed, to be obeyed. It's a gift to be received. It's a promise to be believed. It's a gift to be received. It's a promise to be believed. It's also a command to be obeyed. Acts 17 on Mars Hill in Athens, Paul says God commands all men everywhere to repent. And so all those who fail to obey that command when they stand before Jesus Christ, that will be the basis of their condemnation. You were commanded to repent, to turn to me, and you refused. You disobeyed. For time has come to be has come for judgment to begin at the house of God and it begins with us first. What will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? They won't have any place to stand, no place of welcome. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God 
commit their souls, their life experience, that word suke, soul, sometimes it means that core reality of who I am. It also was used in the first century world as your life experience. Therefore, let those who suffer according to the will of God commit their souls, their life experience, the outcome of my life in doing good as to a faith in doing good as to a faithful to him in doing good as to a faithful creator i'm going to live my life for the glory of god and he is a faithful a faithful a faithful creator he doesn't make promises and then forget about them he is faithful and he is the one from whose hand you came he molded you as surely as if as he molded Adam from the dirt, so has he molded and created us. We can trust him to complete the process of welcoming us into the fullness of kingdom glory. Our responsibility is to walk with him through that process in a hostile environment, but he actually uses the hostile environment to magnify the glory awaiting us. Let's pray together. Our Father, we want to thank you that you pursued us. You were the aggressive shepherd. You sought us as that lost, lone sheep out in the wilderness you picked us up, brought us home on your shoulders rejoicing, made us part of your flock, and we give you the praise. We ask for ourselves, as we've already prayed, but we ask for this day and this coming week, you will open doors of opportunity for us to be able to speak the truth in love to someone else whom you are seeking in the wilderness that we might be instruments in your hands as you pick them up and throw them on your shoulders. We ask for this opportunity and this loyalty to you that when the opportunity comes, we will, by the help of your Holy Spirit, respond and speak. But right now, we especially pray that you will pour out that spirit of repentance and, be, and we will be standing there as we watch people come forth from their tombs. We ask this of you, Good Shepherd Jesus, and all God's people said, Amen. Well, let's conclude by singing that chorus, Jesus Paid It All. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And all God's people said,